All right, guys, today I get to interview William, and we're going to be talking a lot of things about mindset and leadership uh, because William has experience as a Navy SEAL and running coaching and speaking. And so I think on our journeys to freedom, it really helps if we can get a hold of ourselves, if we can lead ourselves first before we lead others, and we get ourselves out of maybe some difficult mindsets or learn how to engage in things that are difficult. And so I couldn't think of nobody better to bring on the show than a former Navy SEAL. Um, so, William, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for having one me. Of the watch and preparing for this interview uh, involved the lineup of helmets uh, that were put down when people would ring the bell at Bud's. And so given that you have so much um, exposure to the difficult challenges that lie in, in the SEAL world and when people quit, can you take us into like, take us into how that applies in the business world? And, you know, for the people that were on the brink of quitting that you've helped to not quit, give us some, some insight into that. Yeah, so that line of helmets that you're talking about is is something that happens generally in the first phase of SEAL training. Um, you know, SEAL training is broken up into four phases. The fourth phase is actually the first phase that you go through, which is to kind of prepare you to go through first phase. And then first phase is the kind of weeding out period. Uh, second phase is uh, where they is an introduction to combat diving, was actually the hardest thing that you do in BUDS is actually in second phase. And then third phase is uh, more land warfare stuff, the stuff that you see on TV and, and beyond. And then you graduate and then you have to learn how to become a Navy SEAL. But those green helmets uh, that are lined up, it's, it's, it's almost a ceremonial thing that happens at BUDS. You know, I remember I was there, BUDS is six months long and it took me a short 13 months to get through that, uh, you know, block of training. I got injured a few times, but those green helmets, people show up to, to SEAL training oftentimes because they think it's a good idea. They think, oh, that looks cool. I saw, you know, a recruiting video or I read uh, someone's book or whatever. And so they think that that's, that's what they want to do. And then they show up and they realize that they weren't mentally prepared for it or physically prepared for it. Um, and they think like, oh, if I don't make it, no one really cares because I told them I was going to go do this training and it's the hardest training in the world. So if I don't make it, then I have, a, I have an out. And so when guys decide that they want to quit, and not everyone thinks that, a lot of guys, they just underestimate the cold water or they underestimate the physical exertion that it takes, uh, or they underestimate the damage that it does to your body. And, um, and so they end up quitting. And one of the things that I talk about often from, from stage and, and, and other places with many of my coaching clients is, you know, all the gurus out there, all the big, big names and, you know, entrepreneurs of, of mental or of like business and all these other people, they're like, Oh, do the, do the hard stuff first, do the hardest thing first thing in the morning. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but as I've gotten older in my life, um, doing the hard thing first is hard. Like when I go to the gym, I don't just throw 225 you know, on the bench press and, and start going at it. I start with like some warm up sets. I might skip rope. I might get on the bike and, and just warm my body up, get on the treadmill, maybe go for a little mild jog to warm my body up. And so when I talk about doing really hard things, I often talk about do little things to get yourself warmed up before you attack that big thing. Uh, and, and I like to call those small victories. So Sometimes a small victory is just getting out of bed when you're supposed to get out of bed. Sometimes a small victory is going to bed when you're supposed to get go to bed at night because it's real easy to stay up late and 
scroll Netflix and Amazon and maybe do some shopping online or you get sucked into YouTube or any other, uh, you know, Game of Thrones. I've certainly been guilty of that and uh, and not get the sleep and the recovery that you need to start your, the day. You're already starting behind. And um, so create these small victories is basically taking something that's really hard, chopping it up into many little bitty pieces and then going and executing it. So SEAL training is broken up into thousands of events. And so all you have to do every single day is focus on the one event that you're doing. You might have eight events that you do. All you gotta do is focus on the one that you're doing. Oh, is it a four mile time run? All I care about right now is the four mile time run. Maybe it's underwater, not tying at the pool. All I care about is holding my breath at the bottom of the pool and tying the correct knot. If it's drown proofing, all I care about is like, surviving in the water tied up with my hands behind my back and and my feet tied together all i care about is the thing that's in front of me right now most people quit because they get overwhelmed from they're looking at like the great big picture of where they think they want to be without just focusing on the one thing that they need to accomplish right now and so if you can just focus on one thing at a time and complete that one simple task then you're you're gonna you're gonna surprise yourself at how far you'll go and how much you'll accomplish during the day or during the week. And you won't, you won't feel like you need to quit because you just keep going after one thing at a time. So, so hundred percent focus on that thing, block out the whys, the conceptuals, the everything else that might lead you into a different direction. Now we talk a little bit about like, you know, kind of easing into it on a morning with a workout or whatnot. If something feels way too big, do you also consider like, Hey, I'll, I'll do it 10% this time, 20% tomorrow. Uh, or, or in that sense, you still say, no, I just need to do this. I would, I will do it until it's done, but I will do it. I might do it in small pieces. So if I have, um, if I'm working on, like, I need to write a report about something and it's a 50 page report. Well, there's, I won't be able to get that done in a day. So I'll write an outline. Okay. So there's a small victory right there. Okay. What else do I need to go off of. And I'll just do one piece of that at a time until I get it done. I don't look at the 50 pages of words that I need to write. I look at like each section. Okay. Just fill out this one section. Okay. I'm done with that one. What's the next section? Fill out this section. Okay. What's that one? So I think your audience is, there's a lot of real estate people real, like filling out real estate transactions and doing all that stuff. Like, and I've seen, because I'm in the real estate world as well and doing some investing and I've seen um, agents that don't actually know their job. They've had, you know, and, and I'm, I don't, I don't mean to call anyone out here, but I do where they, they don't know their job because it's been easy money for the last 10 years. And now it's not easy. And they've just fallen back into what they thought they knew, but they didn't know anything. And I can say that because I've been there when I was a sniper, yeah. I thought I knew everything about being a sniper. I went back and became an instructor and I was like, holy crap, there's so much I didn't know or I didn't pick up or this is the way that we used to do it. We, we don't do it like that anymore. This is the actual way to do it. And so they leave out a lot of details because they've become lazy because it became easy. We're not in an easy time in real estate. So now is the time I would, I would encourage people. I, I actually hope that the real estate market gets even harder because it's going to weed out all the lazy people. 100%. And I spoke at a conference uh, back in February. It was all you know, real estate conference. And, and I told him exactly the same thing. I'm like, you've had it easy up until right now. And 
if I were you, I would hope that the market gets far worse, 10 times worse, because all of those people that are getting free money, that's sucking like your opportunities away because they just are fogging a mirror. I'm like, you should hope that it gets so much worse, they will go away. And then you're going to learn new skills that you didn't even know that you needed to learn. You're going to learn how to sell. You're going to learn how to network. You're going to learn the right way to do it. Actually how to talk to people, not just fog a mirror and happen to be there when someone wants to sell their house or, or buy a house. The SEAL training is a lot about physical pain, which obviously relates to the mental side because obviously you have to have mental fortitude. For you, do you see much difference in yourself between the physical pain and the emotional or, or mental side of the pain? I think they're connected 100%. A lot of people are asking me, like, is it harder, more physical or more mental? It's 100% of both. It's, you know, there'll be times where you don't feel like continuing to run or keep up on a run um, where your mind is like, I don't want to do it. Or your body's like, my legs hurt, my stomach hurts, like everything starts cramping up. And you're like, I'm not, I'm under this boat with six other guys. I'm not going to slow down, even though I'm feeling sorry for myself or even though my legs hurt or whatever. So I have to just overcome the pain. And then pretty soon, it's, it's kind of like that warm-up routine sort of in the morning. Pretty soon, I stop feeling sorry for myself, and I don't hurt as much anymore. So it's just pushing, but it was, it was all mental. It was physical, but it was mental. Like, I could, I could slow down, and if I slow down, I'm slowing the whole boat crew down. I'm slowing down the six other guys that are there with me. Or I can just suck it up and keep up. And pretty soon, one of the other guys is going to have the same issue that I have, the same kind of negative self-talk, like kind of feel sorry for themselves, but they have to make that same decision to keep up. And if you just continue to keep up, the pain is going to stop. And it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You just have to keep moving forward. Are you saying anything to yourself during this or are you just keep moving? Just keep moving. I can still have, you know, like I can still feel sorry for myself. I'll give you, I'll give you a recent example. So I'm, I'm part owner for a, a company called Manmade, and we, we help, we're helping men to become men again. You know, all men need to be pushed, heard, and appreciated. And so we do, we do a handful of events every year. One of the events that we did in March, I think, and we're going to do it again in October because we have some unfinished business, uh, is we hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. And that was like 54 miles. We did it in 25 and a half hours. And it was one of the top five hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I'll tell you that the the reason that we have to go do it again is because on the North Rim, there was eight feet of snow on the ground and it took us about, and there's some altitude there. I live at sea level, so I I pretty much suck at altitude, but um, there was about eight feet of snow on the ground and it took us an hour to go a quarter mile. And we were about a half mile from from the North Rim and we're like, we got to turn around and get back and like, it's not, it's not worth it. So we're going to go do it again. Um, but uh, hiking out of the Grand Canyon, the last nine miles from Phantom Ranch up to the north, uh, up to the south rim, back up to the south rim, it's nine miles. And it was probably the worst nine miles of my life. I think it took me about six hours to get up that, to, to go that nine miles, maybe five hours. And I went to a place I have not been in a very long time, very dark place in my mind. I was just like, fuck this, whatever. I was hating people. Um, all I wanted to do was lay down, take a nap, but I was like, I can't stop. I got, I have to keep going. Or I would look up 
and I would see these, like, as it got dark, I would see headlamps, like, so, like, I'm like, they're, like, 10 miles ahead of me. How am I going to, like, I'm never going to catch up to those guys. And, um, and then what got even worse is we had a guy that was really struggling, but he was starting to catch up to me from behind. And so I was having, like, some terrible, like, you know, very negative self-talk, really feeling sorry for myself. And at some point when it got dark enough, my headlamp started uh, going dim. And so it only made about a two foot circle in front of me. And so what I ended up doing, listening to my own, you know, but the, the, the words that I tell people all the time my messages that I tell people all the time is I just put my head down. I looked at the ground and I took a step that was about the length of my foot. I took the smallest, tiniest steps possible. But what happened is when I just started focusing on the ground, focusing on my feet, focusing on just like get to the edge of that circle, that two foot circle on the ground, I caught the guys, I caught six of the nine guys that were in front of me. But it was just looking at the ground, looking at my feet, looking at that two foot circle, not caring about anything else and just one foot in front of the other. I'm not trying to make big steps. I'm not trying to anything. I, every step was a small victory. You know, I started like, I'm looking for a sitting rock. And if, like, if you were in the group, you would know what a sitting rock was. Cause everyone was, it, it was pretty funny. It's like, there's a certain height, it has a certain angle. Right. So I don't have to Moving squat it. down too far. Yeah. So I needed to like, yeah. take a break. So sometimes my small victories were like the next sitting rock or five sitting rocks or switchbacks or whatever. But eventually like it got to like just the one foot in front of the other. And if so, you can take that, that kind of idea and apply it to everything that you do in your life, when you feel overwhelmed, just keep moving forward. I saw a meme the other day. It was, it said emotion. If you remove the E it's motion. So just start moving at the yeah. end of the day. That's all you got to do is just remove the E and keep moving. Oh, I love that. Um, let's talk about the naked acronym. Yes, sir. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit. Yes, sir. So naked um, where it came from, you know, I have a CBD company called Naked Warrior Recovery. Uh, the Naked Warrior was a really a, a head nod to today's Navy SEAL. So if you go back in time, if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, um, that assault on Normandy, before they had that assault on Normandy, they planned it for months and months. And so what the Navy did is they went out and they found guys that were really good at demolitions uh, and they could swim. And so what these guys would do is they would take little rubber boats from the big ships out in the, out in the ocean, and they would bring them in close to the beach, and then they would get out of the, and swim into the beach. They would do reconnaissance of the beach. Uh, then they would, you know, where fighting positions were, where uh, obstacles were, that they would, you know, come back and destroy later on. And then they would get back in the water, and they would line up, and they would be about 25 yards apart. They would measure the depth of the water, and then they would dive underwater, looking for obstacles, swim about 25 yards, come up, mark the depth of the water and if they ran into any obstacles and then they would do hundreds or thousands of yards of beach at night, they would go back to the ship, they would drop these charts. And those were the plans that um, the army and the Navy used for that assault on Normandy for that uh, saving private Ryan moment. Then the Navy disbanded that unit. And then later on uh, during the Island campaign in the, in the Pacific, the Marines were like, they would, they, the little landing craft would hit these barrier reefs and the Marines would run off and then they would fall off the edge of a reef that was like, they would think they were in three feet of water and they would drown in 30 feet of water. So the Navy recommissioned these guys. Um, and so basically they would go in, they would do these hydrographic reconnaissance 
Um, and then they would blow holes in the reef or whatever so that the Marines could go in and, and do their job. And so these guys were going into combat, basically wearing little teeny tiny shorts, a slate around their neck, a K-bar knife, a mask, and some fins. And so they were called the Naked Warriors. And so that was sort of the predecessor to today's Navy SEAL. Eventually in 19, they became underwater demolition teams. And then in 1962, JFK uh, created, you, these are, you are now U.S. Navy SEALs, sea, air, and land. And uh, so, so I had this idea of the, the Naked Warrior, Naked Warrior Recovery. Everyone needs some sort of recovery. I think we're all warriors in our own, in our own life, in our own, own the way that we go through life. Um, and sometimes we have to get naked. We have to take that ego that we're hiding behind off, take that off, put it in the corner so we can be vulnerable and find the healing that we actually need. Well, as I started, as I started Naked Warrior Recovery, I knew nothing about business. And so I hired some business coaches. And one of my business coaches said, everyone in this group needs to have a signature presentation. So I was like, okay, what's that? What's that? It was like, basically, it's like your TED talk. It's something that you can talk about. It doesn't matter if it's real estate or leadership or whatever mindset um, that you can talk about for 10 minutes or 90 minutes. All you have to do is it's the same message. You just scale it according to the venue. I'm like, okay, well, I have this naked acronym or this idea of get naked. Um, why don't I turn that into a, a, a presentation? And so this is my main keynote that I give, but it's also my my core values. It's also my mindset. So naked is the acronym N stands for never quit. And that's kind of what we were just talking about. Never quit. I don't mean never quit smoking or drinking. I mean, never quit on yourself. Never quit. If you start a project or a program, take that thing all the way to the end, what, no matter what that looks like. And again, to do that, you just create small victories. The A is accept failure because failure has been the biggest teacher of my life. I don't learn. This is what I was talking about. Like all those real estate agents out there that have made easy money or loan officers or whatever it is, they made easy money on refis and all this other stuff. And like all this battling for, uh, to, to buy properties and, and, and now they have to actually fail in their transactions and learn what's going to work now. So failure has been one of the biggest teachers of my life. So you have to accept failure, learn the lessons from those failures so that you can turn those, like use those failures as a foundation for your success. Like I consider like some of those memes where it's like, it's little baby steps. Well, every one of those rungs on the ladder to get over that wall is a failure. So I just, it's yep. like, I just think like, okay, that, that step, that's a failure. So I learned uh, the K is to kill mediocrity because let's be honest, we're surrounded by mediocrity. We've forgotten what it's like to go out and do hard things, you know, where it's really easy to get sucked into our phone, scroll in social media, finding excuses to not work out, to not do the things that we say we're going to do, to not ac accomplish our goals for the day. And one of the things I tell people to, to kill mediocrity in your life is you need to compete. And I'll tell you to start small. Compete in kindness. Compete in generosity. Compete in gratitude. I've found that gratitude is, has become a superpower of mine. Um, every day I write down five things that I'm grateful for. And one of the, like four of them are super easy. I'm, my health, my family, my life, the work that I get to do my, you know, whatever. Uh, and then one of those has to be something that has been very hard in my life. It's something that has been a struggle because I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not had that struggle, whether it was a relationship or a business deal gone wrong or whatever it was, if I didn't have that struggle in my life, 
then I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't have had the growth. So I'm grateful for those things. So I say compete in, in everything that you do. And once you learn to compete in kindness and gratitude, start competing against your ego because your ego knows exactly what to tell you to make you mediocre. Uh, so it's the N is never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So before we go to um, the E, what does a kindness competition look like for William? It's just, you know, we're so busy looking at our phones nowadays, yeah. and it depends where in the country I am. So I grew yeah. up in Mississippi. Driving down the road, everyone waves to one another. I don't know who that person is. We just wave. That's just what we do in, in the South. Um, it's not like that here in Hawaii where I live or in California or pretty much anywhere else. So an act of kindness is just saying hi to someone. Yeah. Or you see someone in trouble. I'll give you an example. Uh, yesterday. So I'm training to do a swim across the Hudson River uh, in actually in a couple weeks, mid-August. And uh, I don't know when this is, is going to come out. It could come out after. But right about um, then, yeah. So it's a, it's a big swim. It's about three miles where we will start in New Jersey. We'll run down to Liberty uh, Park, get in the water, swim out to a barge in front of the Statue of Liberty, do push-ups and pull-ups, jump back in the water over to Ellis Island, get out, do more push-ups and pull-ups, and swim across the channel into lower Manhattan, get out, do more push-ups and pull-ups, go to the 9-11 Memorial, put flags on there. It's a very cool event, but I got to train for it. And number one, I hate swimming. I am not a good swimmer. And I love telling people that because most people are like you're a Navy SEAL. You don't, you're like, oh, I'm like, most, most of us hate swimming. We hate the water. We hate swimming. But the reason I'm doing this event is because I hate swimming. I don't like it. I haven't swam since I did this swim two years ago. So, so now I'm training for it. And I was just down at the beach yesterday. And so I will do a, a mile swim and I'll do a mile run just to kind of loosen everything up and, and um, work a little more. And I came back from the run and this lady stopped me and she asked me if she could, I could carry her friend off of the beach. It was a, like, a, she's like a, a nanny and uh, not from the U S but uh, she's a nanny. And she brought this, you know, like, I don't know, 10 year old boy who couldn't walk to the beach cause he wanted to hang out on the beach. And so she asked if I could like get hit, help her get him back to the, like where off the sand. 
And so I'm like, yeah, where's, where is he? And ask him if it's okay if I pick him up. And so, you know, I just scooped him up and then I took the wagon and I carried him out so that we could put her in, I could put her in the, put him in the wagon and she could take it from there. But just like, I could have said, no, no, I'm tired. No, of course I'm going to help you. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Like threw him over my shoulder. And, and so just anything that you do, just show an act of kindness, smile, say hi, anything. And if you can compete in, in kindness, people are just going to be like, what? They'll be, they'll be happy. Especially during the middle of training and race and run and all this stuff. Yeah. Yes. You don't feel like smiling, smile. Guess what? You're going to feel like smiling after you smile because someone will smile back at you. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Awesome, man. Let's move on to the E. E is expose your fears. So I don't mean lions and tigers and bears, but I do think about fear to be like a vampire. I'm talking about the fears that live in the back of your mind, in that dark place in the back of your mind where you don't want to tell anyone about. These are things you don't talk about, but they keep you up at night. These are things, conversations, thoughts that you have in your head where you're in your car by yourself and you start having arguments with yourself and you just get super pissed off. I've been there and that's how I know that. These thoughts, these anxieties, these stresses that go through your mind. And so what I say is you have to expose your fears. So, you know, vampires, they live in the darkness and they suck the life out of you. Fear does exactly the same thing. It lives in that dark part of your brain and it is sucking the life out of you. So how do you kill a vampire? You expose it to sunlight. How do you kill the fear? Exactly the same way. So maybe you have a fear of public speaking. Go take a public speaking class. Go take an acting class. Join Toastmasters. Get in front of people and speak. You're going to find out very quickly that they want you to succeed. Um, maybe you were, have low self-esteem. I will tell you to go, you're, you're bullied as a kid or whatever, go, tell, go take Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a year. You're going to learn a skill. You're going to learn how to defend yourself. You're going to get in better shape. You're going to build a community of people who want you to get better. And your self-esteem is going to improve. Um, lots of things you can do there. Do things that scare you. But one of my, one of my mentors... He likes to say that fear does not exist on paper. And so he, he took a company. He came in. It was doing about $300 million a year. This is a real estate company. And then he sold it for $3.4 billion. And so in five years. And he, so he still has the same stresses, anxieties, whatever. And, you know, one of the things he taught me is like, listen, when I'm driving along and I'm like, all these thoughts start, start swirling around, stresses, anxieties, fears, whatever they are, he'll pull over, he'll take a pen and a piece of paper, and he will start writing down everything that's in his mind, everything that's bugging him. He'll just do a brain dump, put it all out there on paper. And then he goes back and he reads it. And he's like, really, that's what's bothering me? And I've tried this many times. It's amazing, like, how much control you take back when you take something from in here and you put it on a piece of paper and you're like really that's the thing that's bothering me okay life is not as bad as i thought it was all of a sudden so fear does not exist on paper i think mark twain said that fear is the mastery of fear the resistance of fear it's not the absence of fear so if you want to have a life free of fear you have to master that fear and once you control the fear the fear will no longer control you and then so that's expose your fears yeah. What's that? You do that by yeah, diving exactly. into it, right? the paper and just getting into it. 100%. And then the D is do the work. Like every day we have to just show up and do the work. You know, Rome, you've probably heard the saying that Rome wasn't built in a day. 
Yep. But I guarantee you it was built every single day until it became an empire. <laughs> exactly right. You know, we have, you know, this this stupid thing right here. It we we have TikTok brains now. We look for that dopamine hit, that instant gratification. And doing the work is rarely, if ever, about instant gratification. It's about this grind that you have to do. It's about showing up and doing the work, even though you're not going to get credit for it, even though no one can really see the work that you're doing. But you keep showing up and you do it every day and every week and every month and every year not looking for that instant gratification, not looking for that dopamine hit. And then when you look up, it's just going to be like when I was climbing out of the Grand Canyon, I looked up and I was like passing people. How did that happen? All I did was look at the ground and look at my feet, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. There was no instant gratification there. But step step an hour step. later, when I started passing people, there was gratification. I was like, oh, don't slow down now. Keep going. So that's, so what, that's what do the work is. So it's never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears, and do the work. And I call it, it five five secrets to help you think like a Navy SEAL. Spot on. So once you have these things, then obviously you're not afraid of anything. You believe you could do everything. Every the world becomes your oyster. How then do you choose what what fears, what paths you step into when obviously now fear is not going to stop you? I think because I mean, let me let me phrase a question. So in business, like you have certain things that you're naturally strong at versus things that you might be weak at, so on and so forth. Like in my business, I, I love talking to people. I love asking questions, right? But like as far as marketing, like I'm not as good at like writing certain emails or doing things like that, right? So I can look at that right. as a fear, and it is, and I can step in and do it. How, how do you determine when do I need to overcome the fear and when do I need to outsource? The answer might be to outsource it. Honestly, like really what you should do is be really good at the thing that you're good at. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't know how to do other things, but it doesn't mean that you need to be an expert in the things that you're not, that you're not good at. So if you can afford to outsource it and you can find someone that is good at it, those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. They're very hard things. Like you, you may have to continue to do it yourself at, you know, kind of mediocre. It's not mediocre to you because you put forth a tremendous amount of effort but someone else might be like, hey, that's, like, I've seen what I can write and I've seen what other people can write. And I'm like, can I just pay you to do that? Because you do it way better than <laughs> yeah. me. That's, right. that's, um, I don't have the, the, creative, the creative skills or, you know, word jitsu that they do. Um, and so I'll outsource some of that stuff. Um, it, it, you know, there's technology that can help, help you do it as well. But I think what, where I thought you were going is, is, you know, business is hard. And it's very easy to get that sort of scarcity mindset. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I won't name names or companies, but I, am, I know a company that they were doing easily eight figures a year. Easy, eight figures. High, very high profit margins. And eight figures a year, the owner was afraid that some people were going to steal his clients. So he started pulling back some of the services that he was providing that he guaranteed. And he started changing things based off his fear of someone stealing his clients. And he made such drastic changes in the organization that he lost high seven figures in a very short amount of time. Then he put on an event. It lost half a million dollars. Again, all... Every, 
bit of loss that he had, he had probably 80% loss. It all came back to that scarcity mindset. Had he had an abundance mindset and just pivoted rather than try to make these drastic changes where, you know, it it was a, it was a coaching business where, so like people would have rapport for their one-on-one coach, but then he was afraid that those one-on-one coaches were going to steal the clients and go start their own thing. So what if they do, you're still providing a service. You could have lost 10%, but you lost like 80%. And you did yourself instead of somebody else doing it to you. Correct. But it's very easy to sort of get sucked into this victim mindset also. Woe is me. So when somebody stole my client once upon a time, I'm suing them. I'm going to change the way everything happens. It's just loss, 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 loss. When you go with the, with the uh, scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. So what if they left? They're not your people. They're not your customer. They're not your client. Yeah. And, and so keeping that abundance mindset, I, I found that it's easy to get scarcity mindset. It's super easy. I'm going to lower my prices. I'm going to like everything. No, provide the best service on the planet and people will come. It's like a dog whistle. Yeah. The people that are supposed to hear it will hear it and they will come. The people that sh- aren't supposed to hear it or aren't supposed to, they'll leave. That's fine. It was a great experience with them. Maybe you learned some lessons from them. Let them go. Um, don't screw them over with, with the scarcity mindset. Uh, the other thing I was thinking um, was sort of a risk assessment. And this was something we kind of talked about earlier in leadership, in business, especially in investing. So again, you know, the real estate market is weird right now. And if you're going to go do some, some investing in real estate, go do a risk assessment, go do your due diligence, go look at the numbers. You know, one of my, I have a a friend, she's sort of blown up on TikTok. Uh, Her name is Glenda Baker. And she put out a, a reel not that long ago. Um, it was about, you know, the real estate agent, it was listening to her rant. She's a very good storyteller. So, which is why she does such a good job on, on TikTok. But, uh, she was like, oh, the seller, um, or the, the, the agent put out like rental income, like deal of the week, you got this, like get in while you can. And she was like, she went back and she looked at the comps of the area. She was like that, whatever, I forgot the, the price. We'll just say three, three twenty for this condo townhouse. Well, it's in not a great neighborhood. The rents have never been above like fifteen hundred dollars. Well, you need at least two thousand dollar rent to break even on the on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and so she just sort of. But people will just not do their due diligence, and they're like, oh, well, they'll just take things as as they see on surface value rather than like going and actually doing comps of the area, going in like figuring out what are the rents of the area? Has this place ever been rented before? What are the, you know, just do your due diligence, do the risk assessment, like know if everything goes sideways and you lose everything, are you willing to lose that? Yeah. Are you willing to walk away? And I think there was a movie. It was like the first heat. I think it was heat where uh, I think it was Al Pacino said, be able to walk away in seven seconds or less from anything in your life. Any business deal that you're doing, you should be able to walk away in seven seconds or less or whatever the, whatever the number is. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I may be misquoting a little bit, but you know, don't be emotionally tied to something, which is very hard to do when you put money in there. Oh, very hard. Right. If you can keep it, or... it's, mm-hmm. right. Can you keep it as a business? Are you willing to lose everything that you put on the table? Yeah. Yes or no. 
if the answer is no, then you better do a deep dive yeah, and yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I got similar advice as a kid from my dad. Like if you're gonna loan money to him, just prepare that it's a gift, all those types of things. Like you emotionally prepare yourself ahead of the outcome. Um, right. Love it. What's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Um, I'm looking to be on 50 stages in the next 12 months. Um, hopefully more than that, larger stages. Um, and then, you know, pick up more coaching clients. Love it. Ideally, my ideal number is 30. And just to kind of, just to give you the round numbers, you know, I have, I have business coaches as well. And, uh, because I realized when I was, when I got out of the SEAL teams, I thought it was dumb to hire a coach. But then I thought back when I was in the SEAL teams, anytime that we wanted to get better at something, we went and hired someone. It didn't matter if it was shooting. One time uh, before a deployment to Iraq, the, the team that was deployed, they were like, hey, uh, if you can figure out how to climb buildings and find the right equipment, like we're like, these are things that we figured out. So we were climbing like three-story buildings at night with body armor, guns, night vision goggles, a whole shooting match. Like we're like, 80 100 pounds of gear plus you know 200 pounds of body weight like climbing up like little ropes and like rope ladders and stuff like up up the sides of buildings it was not like but what, what we did is we went out and we found some of the best climbers in the world and we asked them we like we said hey this is what we want to learn they built a curriculum for us and taught us how to do it and then we applied our tactics techniques and procedures and did the work they showed us the the technique and then we applied it to how we do business. Same thing for shooting. When I was a sniper instructor, we went and got training from world-class long-range shooters, not snipers. They were just really good at shooting long-range and learned like 1% of something from them. And so once I realized like, oh, I've been doing this my whole adult life in the SEAL teams, why wouldn't I do this as a civilian in an area I have no idea what I'm doing? So I have business coaches um, that help me get where I'm going. And, and so... My goal is to have 30 clients. I have eight right now, current active clients. 30 clients pay me uh, $3,000 a month. So that's a million dollars a year. Yeah. Just to throw it. like my number out there. And like, I, I'm, not, I'm not swinging low here. I want to do at least a million. I want to do 2 million a year, 5 Love million it, a year. Like, yeah, why, why be mediocre? That's right. 100%. Put it out there in the world and make shit happen. Well, especially, I mean, if you're providing the value to somebody that they're getting an excess, then, then you should be full, right? You should be as full right. as you can handle because as long as you're providing more value than you're taking in return. I love this, man. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life yes, and your sir. business. For those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today. We covered so much. Like, I mean, how you can hike from rim to rim, right? Step by step, he, he narrowed it in. He narrowed the focus there. He narrowed focus in other ways. So maybe it's just narrowing your focus. Maybe it's just like putting things out of the way, getting E out of there, going into motion, whatever it is that you learned for today, write it down. Share it with somebody you know so it can hold you accountable. Because freedom's acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 